Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. It's Sunday night, which means it's time for another edition of the workshop podcast. And of course, we're here live. And tonight I've got Buddy Lindsay from Bud DIY here. But real quick before we bring him on, a couple of pieces of housekeeping to get out of the way. Uh, first off, um, I kind of filled you guys in a little bit on Thursday, but going forward in December from around the 9th, I'm going to be away for a week. I got to go out east to visit with some family. And so for about two weeks over the Christmas, New Year's holiday, we're going to kind of shut things down a bit. Doesn't mean that there won't be any content. There'll just be a little bit less content. Uh, there'll be some pre-recorded podcasts, a couple of videos, but there'll actually be about two weeks where there won't be any new videos. So I've been two years straight doing this and I decided, hey, I'm going to take two weeks off at Christmas and enjoy it. And with this thing going out and checking on my dad, I figured it was the best time to kind of implement it. Doesn't mean, however, over the holidays that we won't do one or two impromptu live streams anyway. I'm sure I kind of will. And one thing I might like to do is have one where we can get some community members come on because we can have up to six on the StreamYard live stream. I thought maybe we do something absolutely outside the box. Maybe talk about our favorite Christmas movies, maybe our favorite prepper movies, who knows. But anyway, so if there's any interest in that, throw that at me on the uh, the comments and, and anywhere on social media. I'd love to have you on. I can't promise when it'll be, but it's something I just love to do over the holidays to kind of have some fun. And oh, evening Cormac. Nice to see you. Uh, and one more quick thing. Uh, Thursday night, of course, is going to be episode three of Repairedness. And this week we're going to be dealing uh, with how to get ourselves out of a shitty situation. And uh, what I mean by that is how to fix sewer problems, uh, plumbing drainage problems, anything like that stuff to keep on hand, uh, the tools to have, the skills to have, and the whole rest of that. And of course, you guys know the Thursday night live stream is also uh, simulcast on the Prepper Broadcast Network, which has been a a huge growth to our community. So I'm thankful to James who invited me to be part of that. So if you guys want to check that out, same bat time, same bat channel right here or on PBN as well. So with that, let's bring Buddy on. Give me one second. Hey, Buddy, how are you? Hey, good. Yourself? Perfect. Good, good, good. So how you been? Been been good. Been busy. Got done right on. Having... Uh, an hour ago. So jumping on this one. Oh. And there's a congratulations in order, guys. I think Buddy just hit the century mark, didn't you? Yep. Yep. Uh, today was my 101st episode. So it was about nice. replacing a sink and a vanity in my house. So dealing with plumbing. Right on. So tell us exactly who is Buddy. Tell, tell me your story, Buddy. Where'd you come from? What are you up to? Yeah. So I, um, let's see where to start. I grew up in a <laughs> suburb. Um, I, you know, I, I feel like that's important in, in my life setup. I grew up in a suburb. Uh, life was kind of designed in a sense uh, around growing up in a suburb, learning in a small school, going out and getting a job somewhere and uh, just, you know, doing the typical American thing. Um, mm -hmm. I think one of the things that broke me out of that a little bit was uh, scouting. Um, we were super involved in Boy Scouts and eventually got Eagle and uh, just kind of went on from there. And I was like, kind of from that, I, I determined that. Um, I'm not a typical person and I don't do things the normal way. And, and my wife, my, my wife and my mom can attest to that, uh, very much, um, ended up, uh, deciding I do not like manual labor. Um, I don't like mowing the lawn. 
I don't like doing DIY projects. I don't like any of this stuff that my dad did all the time and uh, would try to get me to help do, get frustrated and just finish it for me. Uh, I might have done that on purpose a few times, <laughs> uh, but I just decided I did not like any of that. And I'm going to get a career that I can't I don't have to do any of it uh, because, you know, and I want to pay people to do that kind of work for me. And so uh, with that in mind, I became a software engineer um, spent and I like computers. My best friend was into computers. You know, we're both we're both now software developers have been for I mean, I've been playing with code for shoot 20 years now. Uh, you know, a professional developer for 10, um, you know, so, uh, that, that was kind of my world and, uh, kind of just kind of went that direction and, you know, how to have, have a lot of fun. I really do enjoy my job and I love what I do, but, uh, that was the, the kind of the direction that, that life went, um, somewhere along the way, uh, I got my degree, took 13 years, um, a lot of evening classes. Um, again, I don't do things the typical way. And uh, uh, along the way, I decided, you know, I don't like living in cities. I don't like living in the suburbs. It's, everything is cramped. I, I enjoyed being out in the woods. When I when I think of camping, I think of camping in Boy Scouts when we went every, once a month for a weekend. And it was primitive camping. It wasn't you know, little pad spots on the lake. I mean, we were out in the woods and you brought in your own water and you brought in your own food and all of that. And so to me, being out in the woods is a lot of fun and, and doing stuff constantly outside. And I think that 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 gets me to the, I like to constantly be doing stuff side along with the ADD uh, that I have. And so, um, yeah, anyway, so I just like, that's, that's kind of what led me to the direction I am now and where I am now. Um, I think that that kind of naturally translates to if I didn't like DIY growing up, why in the world am I doing DIY now? Why do I have a channel dedicated to DIY? Why am I doing a podcast dedicated to DIY? Um, that's kind of strange. And so I don't know if you want me to go into that or not. Go for it. That took the question right over my mouth. So yeah, you go. Okay. Hey, I'll sit back and have a nap. You go ahead. I'm good. okay. Okay. You can tell. I, you can tell I do this. You can tell I, I talk about I, this a lot. And, and that's I talk. awesome. No, go for it. I'd love to hear. Uh, yeah. So um, I, you know, for one, I'm frugal. I mean, we grew up. We didn't have a lot of money. We always had enough. And you know, I'm sure like most people, and and I never really felt like we were poor or anything, and and we weren't, but we weren't rich either. There was always that debate, like, do we buy it or build it or source it or what, like, you know, or mm -hmm. do we just do it without? I mean, typical family. Uh, and so I've I've always been frugal, um, and my parents had money problems, and so I was, you know, part of the job is you know to get a good job, so I don't have money problems. But I always assess like uh, value of stuff. And I always assess cost and, uh, I hate spending money on stuff, um, in general, uh, because of that. Now, don't get me wrong. I like stuff. <laughs> uh, and my hobbies attest to that. Um, but I also like value and probably three or four years ago, uh, my wife was like, we need a cube system to store all the stuff that we have for our kids. Cause you know, like, we're going to be the only grandkids on either side of my family. I have no siblings. Um, wow. Yeah. My, my wife has two siblings that are never going to have kids. I mean, unless, unless one of them just 
accidentally does at this point. Uh, that, and so our, our kids get spoiled to death from the grandparents, oh. you know? And yeah. so like, we'll buy a few toys cause we know the grandparents are going to buy all the rest. And so that's what happened. And so our house was littered with toys and my wife was like, we need to organize this. And so she's like, we need to go to Ikea and buy a cube system. And Ikea is interesting to look at. I hate the quality of their, of their stuff. Mm. Like I, I had never been until I married my wife and that's the story of every man's life. I think it, I could be wrong, but probably. Yeah. And so, so after I had gone to Ikea, I'm like, Oh, this is interesting. I think we bought a couple of things that were just random randomness. I mean, they weren't necessarily bad, but it was like, uh, I was not impressed with the quality of it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I I've only dabbled at woodworking growing up because my dad was like, here, I need you to hold, hold the, hold the flashlight meme, you know, that, it's you know, true. think about that, you know, yeah. that's kind of where, you know, the background I come from. And, uh, so I never really, you know, got to, to do a whole lot. I played with a lot of things and my dad was like, you're going to learn how to do this today. And so I did it once, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, and so I'm like, I feel like I can make a better cube system than I keep quality wise and long lasting than Ikea. There's probably goes the bet. There's would go together faster because it's highly engineered, highly designed. And I'm some dude in my shop. Uh, and so that got me going down like, well, what does it take to make a cube system? And, and I kind of, the rest, as they say, is history that, you know, evolved into me doing more DIY. My, my wife jokes all the time. She likes to restore furniture and she's like, why couldn't you have gotten into all this DIY stuff before we have kids? Cause now I can't help you, uh, outside until our kids are a little bit older. <laughs> so that's funny. Yeah. The, I, anybody who's been on this channel for a while knows that I'm <sighs> the bane of my existence is Ikea. Uh, I don't enjoy going there, uh, the mm -hmm. way the store is lined up. And I was putting a set together one day and I set, I forget, it was just a heavy tool. And I kind of had the frame of a dresser set mm -hmm. and the tool fell down and broke every single piece all the way through. So it's, you know, it, it's made to be fine once it's put together. But mm -hmm. so I, I we're going to dig in further about, you know, a lot of your other stuff. But one thing I wanted to ask you about, you said, you know, you like stuff like I do, but I noticed I was kind of skimming around earlier and tell me a little bit about your uh, Delta Unisaw uh, restoration. Was that a bit of a project you did? Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was, um, an introduction into, into DIY in a sense of like, here's your first project and not too complicated, not too, uh, but, but bigger because I, up to that point, I'd never done that. You know, I'd talked about doing stuff, you know, I, I helped my dad with a carburetor growing up, you know, I had, hmm. I had, um, join two two angle iron pieces of metal together a few times you know to to make a, a makeshift desk it was terrible uh <laughs> and you know and i'd done little things here and there but nothing ever serious and nothing that ever mattered and so when when we when i decided to get into doing the diy stuff specifically to do the cube system because all i really want to do is a cube system uh, I went out and looked at the uh, old craftsman table saw that I inherited uh, from my grandpa. And like, I was just having all kinds of problems figuring out what was going wrong with it. I, 
it was just having problems cutting boards. I didn't know what those problems were. Uh, now, in all likelihood, my main problem, uh, looking back, was just a dull blade. But I didn't sure. know that. I thought it was something wrong with the table saw. And so I was like, well, we need to buy a new table saw because stuff. Uh, and so I started researching and researching. And and after one thing about me, um, the personality that I have, you know, the value type personality that I have, is I research the crap out of everything. I literally spent a year and a half researching chickens before I got chickens, you know, and like I knew everything about chickens almost before I got one. Didn't need to know all that, but that's just how I do things. And so uh, I landed on a DeWalt um, contractor saw uh, for like 500 bucks, 600 bucks area. And, and I was like, that's the one I'm going to get. So I mentioned it to my father-in-law and he's like, well, you know, uh, the government does these auctions every now and then. And sometimes schools sell tools and, you know, cause they want to get rid of all the old stuff. And so, um, the, uh, technical school about an hour away just happened like a week later to throw up tons of their stuff. And there was a Powermatic, um, three horsepower, uh, no, this is a five horsepower Powermatic, uh, table saw. Like this was the cream of the crop, uh, table awesome. saw. This is the one that everyone, you know, the, the one that everyone drools over, uh, mm -hmm. so they had that and, um, started out on the auction at like $200 and I'm just like, Whoa. Uh, and so we went down and looked at it and it looked awesome. We just happened to see the, the Delta table saw off to the side. They were selling that too. Uh, but they didn't get a good picture of what it was. Um, so when we saw it down there, we're like, okay, if we can get the Powermatic, that would be cool. We doubt that'll ever happen. And we put like a five or $600 maximum on the, uh, on the Unisaw um, and ended up winning it and a few other tools. Nice. Um, yeah. And so uh, I got that and it was like, great. You, you have a table saw. Now you need to figure out how it works. <laughs> and so I uh, figured the first thing I needed to do was clean it up. And I was like, well, if I'm going to clean it up, let's do it right. And so I tore off every bolt, everything, replaced the pulleys, cleaned everything up. I got um, some chemical cleaner thing and washed every single part I could wash, um, scrubbed it down. Um, I got impatient, so I didn't paint it all back together. But, you know, uh, I, I find when it comes to painting, I don't have the patience. So I tend to just finish the project. Uh, and so I, you know, I, just, I took a part <laughs> filmed and took pictures of everything um, because I knew it was going to take a while. And mm -hmm. uh, so then I could just review, basically watch the video and do it in reverse. And uh, and so and it worked and I put it back together and it worked. My father in law is an electrician, so he was able to get a VFD hooked up with uh, three phase to do uh, single phase to three phase conversion since okay. it was a three phase table saw. Um, and we actually still have that. I have that VFD still hooked up in the shop, um, even though I don't use the Unisaw anymore in case I ever get any other three phase equipment. Um, so anyway, yeah, so that's kind of the story of the, the Unisaw. I, uh, I, I'm sure we'll meet someday in real life because I, yeah, I just listening to your, you know, your different stories and things over the last while. I think we got quite a bit in common. I, I mentioned earlier before we come on live here about the, the idea of a modern Renaissance man. And it's funny that you mentioned ADD because I, 
I don't know. I don't think I necessarily ever had it or have it, but I talked to a guy a couple days ago mm -hmm. and I was explaining to him that I learn a lot like you, you know, research the hell out of something, dive right into it, learn something, and then move on to the next something. And, and I keep, I've done that my whole life. And then of course I dropped my old habits, like a bad habit. And he says, you probably get ADD. I said, I don't know, maybe, but either way, that mindset's incredible. And I love hearing how other people take their time, you know, how, how your learning process and your step, like when I was listening to you talk about taking that saw together and well, learning ahead of time first, because people always ask, well, why don't you do many negative reviews on products? And simply because I research the heck out of them before I ever buy them. And so I, I, I rarely ever make a bad purchase because I know what I need. Right. So mm -hmm. that kind of, yeah, anyway, but, yeah. and I've been watching you on Instagram and different things and you've taken quite a little, I don't want to say detour, but a, a pretty cool path. You took a, uh, a full on welding course lately, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Tell, tell me about that. It looks really cool. Yeah. So, uh, one of the, so getting, so doing the woodworking. So I got into woodworking. I really enjoy mm -hmm. woodworking. Um, but I watch a guy, Matt Cremona, um, on YouTube and okay. uh, he, uh, he's a woodworker. Um, but he, he lives up in Minnesota and up there they have giant trees and he actually got into, uh, milling his own wood. Um, urban logging, uh, is, is kind of what he does. And it's where really? go into oh, urban yeah. settings, get, get the logs that people cut down, uh, in their yards. And he goes and takes them, mills them, and then turns them into, uh, furniture and other stuff and sells the slabs, makes some money and, uh, uh, that kind of stuff. And he, he made the comment on one of his podcasts of, uh, was, how do you put it? He's like, I don't have a problem of, of, uh, which wood do you use? I have the problem of which tree do I use and for the project. So he, he, he designs his woodworking projects around it based on how much of a tree he has. So he can make the entire project with one tree. So it all has a consistent look and feel and everything. And he can say this tree turned into this, this thing. And I'm yeah. like, that is the coolest thing ever. How much is a sawmill? $50,000. I do not want a sawmill anymore, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, he built his own sawmill. Now, he built a 70-inch wide sawmill um, for his, you know, thing. So he can do 70-inch wide cuts, and it's like eight feet tall. You know, really custom job. This thing would be an $80,000, $90,000 sawmill if he were to, uh, to go buy one. And he built it for like 10, 15 grand. Uh, and so I was like, that's interesting. Um, and so I started researching building your own sawmill and I'm like, that's actually not that I saw one person in a sawmill building group built one for $200 because wow. he, he just, he was resourceful with barter and scrap yards and people's backyards. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm not going to do that guy's thing. Um, but if I can get between, you know, if I can only spend two or $3,000 and I can get a sawmill, I can do the same thing. We have some family land. I can go harvest a few trees off of there and I can make some really neat, neat projects. And, you know, uh, one particular one, we have this really big honey locust and my grandma wants it gone and we want it gone because I hate, because there's little stickers in there. Mine, they're not fun. Uh, and <laughs> However, the core of it is just a 
beautiful yellow. Um, we're only imagining it's a beautiful yellow because when we cut limbs off, it's really cool and yellow and it'll eventually brown. But uh, I think it would be really cool to make make some stuff out of that. And so uh, one of the things I want to do is build a sawmill. And so I was like, well, I need to learn to weld. My welding experience is not that far in a sense. You know, I can, I, I have some bubble gum welds. Um, I built a bumper for a Jeep. It fell apart. Uh, <laughs> the bumper, not the Jeep. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so uh, obviously I don't know what I'm doing. And um, as an aside to this, I'm also a youth pastor with my wife. And uh, nice. one of our, uh, one of our youth was like, Hey, um, he, he graduated and was just like, he's working at the local grocery store. And it's like, are you going to do anything? You know, like, what are you, what are the plans, you know? And, mm -hmm. uh, and he's like, well, I'd like to get into welding. And it's like, well, have you taken a welding class? You know, have you looked at how to get a welding job? No, not really. And so I, um, offhandedly said, well, our local tech school has a night welding class. I'll take it if you take it. And, and unfortunately, fortunately, he jumped on that. And so I got signed up for an eight week welding class that was two nights a week for three hours a night. And uh, the cool thing about it was it was it was kind of a feet first, you know, after the first night of the safety stuff, um, then it was basically every night after that, you're spending about two and a half hours of just welding and wow. all the things around welding. You know, there was next to no class time. Um, and if you ran into a problem, you would sit there and just walk you through it, you know, one on one. Um, but for the most part, you were sitting there burning rod. And uh, so you just. Anyway, so and and he would also individualize the class to what your needs are. And I was like, I want to build this and showed him a picture of, of a sawmill. And he was like, OK. And uh, by the end of it, he's like, you can build a sawmill and it'll stay together. And so uh, I was really cool. And, and I liken it to I probably got for two hundred fifty dollars for the class and uh, that eight weeks, probably two years or more worth of DIY experience welding. Uh, and my, you know, I just have a lot of experience welding now and it was a lot of fun. Um, uh, so yeah, so that, that's kind of the, the history on, on the welding thing. And, uh, I've done a couple of things since then. And, and I was like, wow, that's, that's a, cr a great, um, uh, experience because my dad was like, Hey, uh, uh, I have this pipe. Can you weld it? And I'm like, well, I'm not a pipeline welder, but I'll give it a shot. And <laughs> uh, pulled out. So I think it was some 7018 rod and. Um, he, he kind of sprung it on me. So he has a really old helmet that I'm not used to. And I have a really nice auto darkening, you know, super big, you know, frame there. And his is like, you yep. know, and the thing is loose and I'm like, I, I got something done, but it, I was like, I, I don't feel like this is the quality that I can actually do. And so I, and at that moment I had the revelation, like I have a quality that I can go to now. So that is awesome. And as for Dan W, I'm uh, I'm from Oklahoma, so right smack in the middle of the United States. I was gonna say you don't have a not a real real thick accent, you know. It's kind of a that uh, I don't know is it Midwestern? Is that what they call it or Central? What are they? I don't even. It it, it depends on who you talk to in my area. Um, it, some some can be a little little Midwestern, more Southern though is uh, is what it usually is. Uh, but my wife and I, I mean. <laughs> If you listen to old uh, old videos of my wife when she was a kid, she has a really strong Southern accent, like like hick Southern accent, and and I don't know, just you, I guess you just kind of grow out of it as you learn to talk more, and and mm -hmm. we, 
more and you listen to other stuff. And uh, I don't know, it's, I had a little bit of one, but I've kind of grown out of it as I've gotten older. I grew up in Nova Scotia and it's a, there is a very thick accent. And like I said, I'm heading home in about 10 days and uh, I'll be around everybody out there for about 10 days. I can just imagine what my first couple of recordings are going to sound like when I come back, because all of a sudden it just, it speeds up and every word rolls into the next. Oh yeah. It's, it's something else, but <laughs> so yeah. you're, yeah. So you're the type of guy that if you wanted to buy a sawmill, instead of buying one, you're going to go out and damn well learn how to weld and then assemble the sawmill. And then, mm -hmm. yep. I, I, yep. I seriously dig that. I love that mindset. Yep. Yeah. I bought plans online from several different places and uh, watched a bunch of YouTube videos of different designs. And I have most of a design in my head. There's still a few things to figure out. I actually have a book that a textbook that I bought on hydraulics um, so that I can learn about doing hydraulics um, for uh, doing some of the stuff because I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to lift up these logs all the time, but I saw on mm -hmm. a Woodmiser sawmill that they have this huge hydraulic arm that just kind of picks it up and pushes it on the tab. And I'm like, I want to build that. And then I saw on another one, they have a hydraulic feed for the whole thing. And I'm like, I don't, I want to learn how to do that too. <laughs> so I'll, um, book on hydraulics. we got a guy in the workshop community named Ken Cornelius mm -hmm. and uh, he lives up on a mountain all by him. Well, with his wife, like they're, you know, and he's into sawmilling. So I'll have to get him hooked up with you. You guys can compare notes. Cause he, he's been doing it for years. He's a smart, okay. smart dude. So Gotcha. And do you know Brian from the Lots Project? Do you know the Lots Project at all? Uh -uh. Anyway, no. Uh, him and his wife Corey—they're—they're uh, they're in the process of building, putting together an off-grid RV and traveling the countryside. Nice. But he wants to know: stick welding or wire feed too? Both. Uh, so the guy, the, the instructor—he's since it was a night class, it was actually a welder, a professional welder, and he's been welding for thirty years and. Uh, uh, works for Tinker Air Force Base. And he basically came in and was like, if you can weld stick, you can weld anything. So we're going to start with stick. And so we went mm -hmm. into stick and uh, he kind of has his core little, like what he wants you to do. Um, he wants to use, I think, 7013 rod and uh, 7018, 6013 and 7018. I think, anyway, I don't remember too much off the top of my head. Uh, but he's like, he wanted you to get through a bunch of test stuff like that. And then once you got done with that, he would start customizing things. And uh, as soon as I got through that um, in the first five weeks, I went on to uh, MIG welding for the last uh, last few weeks, uh, last two and a half weeks. And then we did torch and plasma cutting the last couple of nights uh, so we can know oh, wow. how to do that. Yeah. So, it, I mean, I'm no expert, but the welds you put on Instagram and stuff, they, they look pretty darn good to me. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah those were at the end those were the all the good end ones <laughs> i didn't show any of the bad first ones but uh i don't and uh joseph here he's from uh, millis construction he's got a, a pretty big uh, youtube channel he's from oklahoma and uh, nice. uh also a handyman and everything else but says that's my welding instructor told us as well if you can weld stick then you can do wire feed no problem so yeah that makes yeah, sense what, what's funny is um the holding of the MIG welder versus the stick welder, like kind of threw me at first. Uh, cause, uh, cause like you would, you kind of drag the stick in a sense. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to do that with, uh, MIG welding, um, and it worked, but I couldn't see the puddle very well. Uh, or like just how I was doing it. I, yep. I, I don't know. It was just weird. Um, and so, uh, 
or no, I couldn't see where I was going. I saw the puddle really well. I couldn't see where I was going. Um, and so I was going up and down, up and down, up and down, down the joint. And so, um, at one, at one point we were done an hour early and, uh, with like the stuff and he's like, I don't want you to really start, just do some stuff and figure things, you know, just go experiment. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, yeah. and so I was like, <laughs> well, the, the biggest thing I need to work on is restarting a weld. Um, and then, uh, pushing forward on the, with the MIG and after about an hour of practice, I, I was being dumb and practicing literally both at the same time. Um, instead of one and then the other. Um, but by after the hour, I was doing both pretty well. And now I, most of my MIG welding is pushing uh, pushing the thing so I can see where I'm going. Um, now my face is like almost in the puddle, I feel like, but I can do it. <laughs> hey, that's what they got protection for, right? But, right, right. So, so now you're officially a woodworker and a metal worker. Mm-hmm. So which one do you like better? Uh in the end, I honestly think I like woodworking better. Um, okay. There are things that I like about metalworking, um, but, uh, and you can do some really cool looking projects, but to me, some of the beautiful projects are all woodworking projects uh, that I've seen. I just, I like when you get that nice, the nice curl on there and the nice shapes that you can do and you can, uh, some of the bends that you can do just right. And I, I don't know, like to me, it, it's funny because growing up, my dad was did woodworking. He, he never got into it like I do it. Uh, he did it all as a practical thing, um, uh, all practical projects, you know, handyman projects. Mm-hmm. And where I'm getting into it more in the uh, the furniture side and and the kind of the craft side. Um, and uh, growing up, much like the DIY, I was like, I you know, I don't I don't like wood furniture. I don't like woodworking. I'd want to do metalworking and. You know, God has an awesome way of making you eat your own words, Uh, because now it's like, you know, getting into woodworking, it's so much fun. There's a lot of there's a lot of things I didn't realize about it. And and now it's like I prefer woodworking to to metalworking. And now I can do both in in reality Mm -hmm. Um, and and I can combine both of those things together and uh, and make better projects. Brian says, uh metalworking is much more forgiving than woodworking yes you yeah. agree I, I from from so far like i can i can add some metal back if i kind <laughs> of mess a few things up it's a little harder to do that with wood um now now I've, I've been researching machining uh metal and like uh doing like a bridge port a manual mill machine and okay. like that's that stuff is super interesting as well um and uh there's um couple channels that I watched that this guy does some really cool projects with his uh, manual milling machine. And I'm like, I kind of would like to get one of those someday and do some projects. Um, fortunately, my father-in-law has, has a bunch of equipment. Um, uh, and, uh, he doesn't have, a, he has a bench top manual milling machine, so it'll do some smaller stuff. And, uh, um, and then he also has a metal lathe, a smaller metal lathe. And so I can actually use both of those to, to help with the sawmill build project. And so I'm really looking forward to diving into that. Um, but you know, it's just some really cool stuff that you can build, uh, with that and kind of looking forward to, um, there's another, uh, woodworker, um, Almfab, I think is his YouTube channel. Um, okay. and, uh, he just, he, he, he's an inventor. 
uh, I think first. Uh, and so uh, he created this uh, bench vice that's all it's, has a bunch of gears on it. You see, like you push it in, and instead of uh, like a thread through the center mm -hmm. to pull it in, it's actually geared. So you so you close the thing on both sides at the exact same rate of speed. And it also has multiple settings. So you can go in really fast and out really fast. Uh, and so mm -hmm. he, he designed that. It's a little expensive, but he designed it, sells it. Um, but he just came out with this new thing that he, he put out as a, uh, uh, he's like, here's what I built. And here is, uh, is anyone interested in buying this? Because they're going to be expensive, but they're fasteners. Um, but he used a really... Are, there, are they hidden fasteners? Yes. Yeah. I, I just seen that. I don't know how I see. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so crazy. Yeah. He he designed a uh, thing where like right in the center, it's it's kind of this custom cutout, kind of like a Phillips head, but not really. Um, and if you poke at it with your finger, you can see it depresses. But if you get within like a foot of it or even closer, you can't tell that there's a seam there where the metal is. And so now that adds for some really, really cool projects that you can do um, with exposed fasteners that look like an art piece on it. And so I think that's kind of a fun way to to bring in some metalworking into uh, kind of woodworking, combine the two to do some really interesting projects. So that would be cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say that particular thing is not my style of wood furniture. I like the more shaker style, um, mm -hmm. kind of your more Windsor and traditional woodworking stuff. Um, I, I'm definitely not mid not mid century modern. One of the places I worked, um, they're big into mid century modern, and I'm like, I feel like I've gone back to my grandma's house. Uh, it just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't my thing. You know, I I I'd like to live in a cabin in the woods. My walls are green for peace sake. You know. <laughs> yep. So. I love it. Yeah, that those were neat. I think he was kind of doing kind of gauge and interest, almost like kind of like a Kickstarter almost yeah. or. Yeah. yeah. And, he, and he had like a multi-step challenge for you to actually show how interested you were in it. Yeah, because I think he's, he'd mentioned I, you see this quite often, you know, that uh, creators put out these project ideas and they're like, hey, who's interested? And, you know, 100 people put their hand up. But then when it comes time to actually order, put your money where your mouth is, maybe one out of those hundred do, right? right. So right. that was, oh, I, uh, Ken, do you know Ken Ish? Kenneth Ish at all? Or Ash, I'm sorry, Ken, if I mispronounce your last name, but he's got a, at least one podcast, maybe a couple. I can't, <laughs> it's hard to yeah. keep track of everybody, but. Uh, His avatar looks really familiar. I'm bad with names, unfortunately. That's okay. Uh, another uh, follower from the the TSP community. So we yeah, that, all kinda, yeah, that's probably yeah. It. yeah, yeah. So what's your favorite type of woodworking project? Oh, um, it's, it's more contextual, I guess. I mean, I, I actually, I mean, I just, I, I enjoy, I enjoy the design process. I enjoy getting in and designing it and then, uh, and then going out and working on it. Um, uh, my biggest project is a bunk bed, um, or a loft bed that I did with, uh, stairs, um, that were also the dressers, uh, for, for my, for my wow. daughter. And, uh, and so that that's cabinetry and, you know, more traditional, you know, woodworking uh, furniture side, you know, combined into one and they both had their fun parts to them. And so I, uh, I really enjoyed that. I want to build a set of uh, um, cabinets for in my office here. Um, yeah, that's another thing. Never knew how to do um, building a building a house. But in order to finish out this shed, I had to learn everything about building a house. And so I converted the shed into an office. Uh, cause I got kicked out of my house and we had our third kid. 
Is is this the same shed that you put a roof on, or is this different? This is a different one. Yep, learn how okay. to frame a roof. Uh, yeah, that was that was actually our uh, an old coal shed. So our house is from the 1930s. It was mm -hmm. a schoolhouse from the WPA, and uh, they had a coal shed made it made out of brick. And uh, I'd uh, yeah, ripped the ripped the roof off of that with a bulldozer because that was the only way it was coming off. And rebuilt re. Uh, Redid the trusses, manually built all the trusses and redid it and put a roof, metal roof on it. And it was fun. Is uh, is coal still used in your area at all to heat yeah. homes? No. Because no. No. Like, I've lived on the prairies almost a decade now. And when I moved, because I grew up heating with wood, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. huge on the East Coast. And I come out here and there's still people with coal-fired furnaces. They still have coal chutes and rooms in their base. I mean, it's, it is definitely in the minority at this point, mm -hmm. but it's still something that is a thing up here. I just yeah. totally, it was foreign to me at first, you know? Yeah, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. So yeah, no, um, usually electricity for a lot of people. Um, some, some people are wood um, and some people like us, I converted uh, over to propane uh, a couple of years ago. Any natural gas in your area at all? Uh, people have it. There's actually a natural gas pipeline um, five feet in front of my in-law's house. And uh, they charge them 40 bucks a month for a, a five foot pipe uh, to a meter. Uh, and so that they can have gas. And they're like, we use like a dollar of natural gas, but our bill is like $40 a month. And, you know, it's. We we're the same boat here. I love natural gas. It's cheap, but the distribution fees are more than our usage fees every month. I, it doesn't, you know, but yeah. All right. So I, I know on your, on your website, of course you say you're a, a, a staunch individualist, which mm -hmm. I totally dig. And that's my shtick too, you know, but so for someone who's into, you know, liberty and, you know, individual freedom and that sort of thing, why would somebody even want to learn to build something? What, what, I mean, I, it's a pretty straightforward question, but what's your, your take on it for sure? Um, I, I actually kind of have a, a little, my wife was like, I told my wife, I have a, a little bit of a controversial opinion and, uh, and, and I told her and she kind of got her hackles up a little and it's not <laughs> like it, it's, it's, it's more mental, you know, um, contrarian, not political, but I believe everyone needs to learn how to, to make furniture. Um, hmm. uh, even if it's just, um, a basic table or a basic chair, or, you know, if you want to get a little more fancy, you know, farmhouse, farm style furniture. Um, and just, just because it teaches you a bunch of stuff uh, along the way, I think it, it, it teaches you project management. I was talking to you a little bit, a little bit about that to you earlier, it teaches you design and project management. How do you take an idea, a concept, put it in, in onto paper, um, and then plan what you need to buy work through the entire process, work through the build process, and then come out with a final result in the end. I mean, that from right there can build on an amazing amount of self-confidence. Um, it's also, depending on the complexity of the project, something that uh, uh, you can knock out pretty quick. Um, mm -hmm. And and so th there's that. Then, you know, and then it teaches you craftsmanship. Um, it teaches you to pay attention uh, to precision where a lot of people a lot of people aren't put in a situation to learn any type of precision because they don't need to. Um, and, and, and then it also it reinforces mathematics skills and logical thinking. 
um, as well. Plus, you get to learn a little more about the environment around you, uh, depending on how far down the rabbit hole of furniture building you go. Uh, you learn about different types of wood. You learn about wood movement. You learn about um, different stains and how they interact with the wood, um, absorption rates and things like that. Um, uh, and different chemicals. And so now you, you you have some chemical analysis things going on. Uh, and then, you know, you can, you can move down uh, the rabbit trail to actually aesthetics and design of where something will fit. Um, and, and all of those things um, come from just learning how to make one piece of furniture, um, but it expands your mind um, exponentially in a sense of, of everything that you know. Plus you learn about structure and design of stuff uh, so after I started looking into woodworking, I started looking at design of furniture that we, you know, that we might purchase. Um, at this point, I'll probably never purchase another piece of furniture in my life uh, unless we just have to, um, mm -hmm. because, you know, now I want to make it all. But I can look at something and be like, I see the problems with that now, um, whereas I never would have seen it before. I actually have the confidence to actually try to figure some of this stuff out that in, in reality, I, I always would have thought you have to be some professional person that has you know, had decades of experience in order to make. And it's like, not really. Um, if you take your time, you plan it, um, you can do some fairly complex things uh, uh, with just a year or two of experience. Um, and even less, if you just, there's one guy, he's just like, I'm going to go, I'm going to do that project. And there was some complex stuff and he just took his time and figured it out. And so like, I think, you know, it's kind of like the wood shop class in high school. I think everyone should take a wood shop class, make a piece of furniture. And now you have a skill set and, and it expands everything. And um, the example I like to use as you know, what it, what it can turn into is uh, recently brought bought a grill. Um, I was telling you like, I'm kind of a cheap person and I like value. <laughs> so I bought an expensive grill that I love, but I didn't want to spend that extra $500 to get the, the base that you put on it, put it on. So I ordered just the grill to save money um, and also convinced my wife to upgrade to the next one. Um, but anyway, um, but I was like, uh, I, I need to, I need a table to put this on outside. And so stopped at Home Depot on the way back from a, uh, a fishing trip. Um, that I took a couple months ago. If you listen to Jack's podcast, you know about that. And uh, picked up some two by fours and picked up some four by fours and gave myself one hour. And in one hour, I built a table with no plans because A, I had the experience to do it already. And I knew how to build something to support a few hundred pounds um, and also have some structural capability there. You know, I thought things through. And so uh, when I don't have, I didn't really have the time to build it. That's why I gave myself one hour. So it, it gave me a constraint to change how I, how I designed something. So I didn't go overboard. And so, um, it allowed us to save some money in a sense, uh, in there. And so that I, I Ken's got a question, but I was just gonna, we, we talked about a little bit before there, but it, it's neat because like you said, uh, building something and being into woodworking, you can say you're a woodworker, but all different types of people uh, can come into that, but you can also learn all these other skills that come out of it as well. Like you said, mm -hmm. you know, project management, math, structural design, and that's where uh, you, you and I, our brains wouldn't necessarily get bored because some people would just look at it and say, well, that's woodworking. I want to learn this skill and then I'm going to move on. But if you really delve into it, there's, like you said, you know, you can go to the nth degree with what you can learn and satisfy your curiosity. You know, I, I love it. 
Yeah, but, for uh, sure. Ken wants to know, uh, do you use paper or CAD program? Uh, both. I, I rough out things on, on paper um, for like two or three minutes just to kind of kind of knock out like kind of some of the rough, like how I imagine in my brain, I imagine everything visually um, as I'm mm -hmm. thinking things through. Um, is like I imagine like a ball with spikes on it and I get a piece of paper and draw it out. And so that shaves off the spikes and then I can go in and, and on the CAD and uh, usually did uh, have done SketchUp for uh, for my design work, um, but have recently decided to switch over to FreeCAD um, because it's a, a parametric design um, CAD program similar to Fusion 360. It also it works well with uh, 3D printing, um, but does not require a monthly subscription um like doesn't doesn't require one there's a guy that's trying to be a permanent developer on it and uh, uh throw him some money every now and then just to encourage more development um which is i think something you know if you use software that's open source and free i recommend everyone does that at least every so often uh just to kind of keep the motivation up but uh um and 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 also because i have what i was telling you earlier i've just good enough internet um i can't do like web-based like heavily web-based and web-reliant software. Um, it just doesn't work well. Uh, and so FreeCAD, I can download and use offline. Um, and, and I want to you know, support that community too. So yeah, I use FreeCAD. Uh, Dan wanted to know, uh, did you take up any upholstering along with the woodworking yet? You know, it's it's actually funny that you uh, that you mentioned that because I had a summer job doing auto upholstery uh, growing up uh, when I was 16. Uh, or seven, sixteen, seventeen. No, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> and so I know how to do it, but um, I, I have not done it specifically. Um, uh, I, I have watched videos on it. Um, I, I don't know that I'll ever do get into doing it heavily, other than just like uh, a cushion for for a chair or something. Uh, doing the the bigger stuff, the poofy stuff. I I. That's not the kind of furniture I personally like. So I was um, going to say that's more mid-century, right? So a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, I get it. But you're, um, are you ever, uh, do you have any Amish in your area at all? Uh, we do, Scott. There's a bigger community about an hour and a half north of here. Um, but they're all, we have actually a Mennonite uh, community mm -hmm. that runs a local construction company. Uh, and so we run into them every now and then. I just, I love the, we, we, for a long time in a city just outside of where I live, they had a, an Amish furniture store there and they're, I'm obviously their stuff's pricey, but it's, it's incredible. Like how they can mm -hmm. make some things with, with no, at least, um, metal fasteners, you know, like just all pieced together with formed wood and stuff. It, it blows me away. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Um, I actually, so I read a couple of books on Shaker uh, on Shaker. One like was an actual college, you know, book on the Shaker community. Um, and mm -hmm. it was a fascinating read just from their history and, uh, and, and the culture of it to, to better understand the basis of their furniture. Uh, and then there's another book that I read um, that was just all around the furniture and uh, yeah, just like how they would do stuff, um, you know, back in the, you know, late 1800s and early 1900s, you know, is effectively what the Amish did. Um, and then how imprecise, you know, all the mm -hmm. stuff was as well. Like, you know, a lot of, you know, like we're getting in the age of, you know, craftsmen woodworkers, you know, where everything is like precise and uh, in engineering woodworkers, like we want everything to be perfect, but 
they don't they didn't build perfect furniture the ones that lasted and and survived are the ones that were the best uh and so like they there was a lot of problems with them and so it just it's, it's kind of a fun interesting difference between current woodworking versus historical woodworking and you i'm gonna guess you lean a little more toward the historical or not yeah. no actually i i don't know like i don't have a lot of hand hand tools um due to expense in a sense uh uh, I'm more, um, I, I, I like technology so don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I like, I like doing things that, you know, make it easier, but I, I can, I have a couple of hand planes that I'd like to buy and just to kind of mix in and do a few things, but I definitely have no interest in grabbing a handsaw, you know, even if it's a really nice handsaw and uh, ripping a board in half, uh, that's, yeah. it's not my wheelhouse. I can't. Yeah. I don't even, I can't even imagine. I just, I, I love the you were talking about the character and the change of things because I like, and I know, like you said, the modern mindset is like right down to the 32nd of an inch mm -hmm. and, you know, really fine. But there's something, it was the same as like when I first learned how to bake bread, you know, when I first started, I wanted my bread to look like store-bought bread, you know? Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I embraced the fact that it's going to have quirks and quirks and it's going to look funny and it's going to be uneven, but it's going to taste damn good. All of a sudden you're like, well, that that's a whole nother beauty in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for sure for sure it's uh, like they're the uh the bed that i built for my uh totally agree kind of like totally <laughs> yep. you pull it every down every now and then for that one utility and then you hang it back up because it looks awesome uh looks really the, good there yeah but the loft bed that i built like there there's a few problems with it but i was like you know what i built this you know mm -hmm. and, I, and i built it for my kids and this thing is gonna last it'll probably last longer than my kids last uh maybe not uh, but you know, they, they, it's going to last a long time. The quality is there, but it has its, it has its issues. Um, and marker marks, unfortunately. Are you your, I don't know if you're like me in this sense, but are you your own worst critic? Like, and I'm sure most artists or whatever you want to call it are, but every time you go by, do you, you notice that one little imperfection or something that you, you don't want, you wish you didn't? Mm, yes and no. I, it's one of those, like, I quickly, you know, even in my software development, you know, I, mm -hmm. I come to the point of uh, um, it works. There's, there's a, a quirk to it, but that just adds to the character um, and I can't beat myself up about it. And uh, as Steve Ramsey says, you always put the, uh, the bad side to the wall. <laughs> I love that. That is perfect. <laughs> That's really good. So what's your next, uh, so now, you know, your, is your next DIY project going to be the sawmill or where are you heading with your DIY stuff? Yeah. So, uh, it's going to be a mix of, of woodworking and homes. My next big project is going to be next spring. Um, currently I, I, I've been working on a software project, uh, with Nick Ferguson, um, in basically oh, wow. for the last six months. And I'm hoping to have that done by Christmas. Um, I need to have that done by Christmas, um, <laughs> not only for myself and say my sanity, but for him. And like, I've just put off doing DIY stuff for several months. Um, and it's, it's kind of grinding on me. Um, but I'm working on getting it done and it's going to, um, but my next like DIY smaller DIY project is, uh, to build a hydroponic system in my office. Um, so that we can grow some uh, fresh vegetables uh, over the winter and to uh, start learning about uh, just kind of hooking everything together because the next big DIY project is a um, 
is a pond and aquaponics system um fairly uh for my house significant sized aquaponics uh system um so uh and nick so we're bartering i'm um he's he's gonna do i'm doing this project for nick and he's gonna come out and do a bunch of work with me um on putting in uh, uh an eight foot by eight foot by uh five feet deep pond in and then it's going to go down the side of my office between my office and my shop uh we have a, I have a 10 foot alleyway and we're going to do a um greenhouse cover style uh over it and do hydroponics down that so we can grow year round hopefully um all coming from a stocked uh pond uh, so wow. lots of working in there and I plan to have it all run on, um, solar power with, uh, into a battery backup so that if electricity goes out, which doesn't happen often, but does, then I don't have to worry about, uh, uh, finding a generator or if I'm on, you know, vacation for a few days, you know, I don't have to, to worry about it then either. And have so you that, played with solar at all yet, or is that going to be new too? Um, it's sort of uh, when I went to Jack's uh, workshop in the spring, um, I helped install the solar system there. It wasn't too complicated and, and, and the map wasn't too complicated of, of it either. Um, and I've talked to Sean Mills a little bit and I was like, Hey, can I send you uh, my, my math at some point to make sure I build the right size system for what I need? And he's like, yeah, no problem. And so uh, that's, and, and I plan on documenting everything and putting it up on YouTube as uh, tutorial videos too. So that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. I want to back up, back up real quick too, because you you mentioned your brain getting a little worn out from doing so much uh, coding and that sort of thing. And yeah. something we talked about before we went on air was what the rejuvenating rejuvenating factor of working hard. Um, mm -hmm. Do you, you want to talk about that? I loved your thoughts on it and how you kind of you know we talked about burnout and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, as a software developer, like I literally sit behind a desk eight hours a day plus, you know, and right now, I mean, I'm sitting behind a desk, you know, 12 to 15 hours a day doing, doing, uh, this project plus my day job. And so, um, I don't know something about being at a desk, um, or just doing, you know, little, little projects here and there. Um, the world has a way of intruding on your brain and staying there, hmm. but, uh, but something about getting out and doing physical labor that hurts and that you hate and that you are you're swearing at it the entire time in your head, um, maybe sometimes not in your head, um, where you cut yourself, you know, you just you're sweating like crazy and you just you hate the work in the moment. Um, but that's what your brain is completely consumed by in that moment. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you've experienced you're digging a hole and you're like, I hate oh, yeah. this hole. But you need the hole, and uh, and and you're thinking slow because you're so hot and and just tired. And I don't know what it is, but getting into that moment, um, it erases everything for that few hours. And after you're done with the work, and when you're sitting there with, in my case, a diet coke in your hand, staring at the stuff that you just did, um, yeah, uh, yeah, nice, and. Uh, um, it just, all the problems that you've been dealing with, they just kind of go away. And you're like, why was I worried about that stuff? You know, uh, grieving, grieving family as well. You know, that to me, that helps has, has helped with that as well. Um, those problems you're like, that the stuff didn't really matter. 
um, not as much as I thought it did is because it, it weighed on me over over time. And so uh, just something about hard physical work, um, you know, is just is very rejuvenating, you know, to the, to the mind and soul, at, le at least for me. Uh, and I've noticed it for a few other people as well. And so, I think it's uh, I think it's a lost art, maybe, or something mm -hmm. that not everyone maybe necessarily does at this point. But I, I was thinking back when you're talking about it in this summer, I did a big uh, sod job and it was one of the hottest days of the summer mm -hmm. and my worker ended up not being able to come because he had to work somewhere else and I remember just hating it in the moment but at the end of the day you know your body hurts mm -hmm. <laughs> you know your feet hurt your back hurts mm -hmm. your eyes are sore everything right and, and you're dirty from head to toe but there is absolutely something refreshing and I think you're right you lose all the stress of life in that moment. Right. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden it, it gives you some perspective. I, I love that. And we were talking about it earlier and I had to get you to share because it, I, you know, what is that modern philosophy or something, but you're absolutely right. There is something rejuvenating about hard work, even though you're beat when you're done. eh? Yeah. Yeah. And then you sleep really great that night, unless you work too hard and are too sore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. That, that I suppose. Yeah. That's what a chiropractor's for sometimes, but you know, right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. how do you, how do you recommend people get started? Like I say, somebody comes to you and they're like, all right, buddy. And I always feel funny calling people buddy because you know, everybody's buddy, buddy guy or whatever. Right. But <laughs> all right, buddy. Um, so I really know nothing. Where do I start? Yeah. So, uh, I I'd like to someday have, have some sort of curriculum, but, um, at, the, at this point, I don't know when that would be because, uh, a lot of stuff to, to learn and do. Um, but the, what I do recommend is, uh, I think it's the weekend woodworker by Steve Ramsey. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's really, uh, it, it's how I got started. It's how a friend of mine, uh, kind of got started. Um, it's their basic projects that you can do. He breaks it out. He's like, pick off six weekends and you just do this project, you know, one each weekend. And there's something you can, it kind of breaks it out. Like if you'll spend, you know, Saturday doing this part, you can spend Sunday doing this part. And by the end of the weekend, you have a completed project of furniture that looks nice. Um, wow. And it runs you through all of the skills um, that they really, that you need uh, for the most part to do most woodworking that you need to do uh, when it comes to, you know, basic furniture stuff. And, uh, and I was like, you know, I, I get in my head that I have to do things a very specific way and drives my wife nuts, but I am who <laughs> I am. And so I was like, well, I am not going to do any other projects until I do all of Steve Ramsey's work, uh, projects. And so that's why it took me a year to build a, uh, a cube system for my wife. Um, but I went through and, and I built all but the last one, the last one, um, I didn't end up building because it just didn't fit furniture wise for our house. And I couldn't come up with a tweak that my wife liked. And so, and I was like, at this point, I know how to do that. So I'm not going to worry about it. Um, I'm just going to move on. But uh, going through the process of doing, doing the other stuff, like it taught me all of the basics of woodworking. And I even re-review, re, I forced myself to go through the stuff that I already knew and I'd already figured out just to make sure I didn't miss anything. And uh and so that's really where I recommend, you know, starting out. He he focuses specifically on uh, the very, very beginner uh, woodworker so much. So he doesn't buy fancy tools, fancy power tools. Um, I have better power tools than he has at this point um, because he wants to be he wants to be approachable to beginners. So that's that's where I recommend people start. 
So of course I love talking about tools, but, and this wasn't one of the questions we talked about earlier, but since you talk about where to start and what to start with, what would you recommend? Like if you wanted to just get into woodworking, what's the bare basics that somebody needs to get started? Hmm. I know put you on the spot. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd recommend a, probably a, uh, circular saw at the very least mm -hmm. and a drill, maybe a driver, um, kind of like just for the convenience factor and, um, a good tape measure. Like I mm. can't stress a good tape measure enough. Um, and then, um, and, and a, probably a, a, a miter saw after, after that, um, just more convenience and you and you can get a really cheap miter saw on craigslist and uh and, and that'll get you by for a really long time um i think after that um you'd be surprised how far you can get with just those few things um and so I, you don't really need a table saw uh to begin with um it just makes life a whole heck of a lot easier like i i decided because i'm dumb um and i <laughs> a lot of extra time to do a project where the only thing I used is circular saw. So I'm like laying that board up there. Clamp oh, and clamps. Can't ever have Oh, yes. Uh, yes. And I clamped it down, got everything lined up. I probably spent 20 minutes lining up for a perfectly straight cut with a circular saw. <laughs> you can do it. My table saw that would take me three minutes. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and that's with turning the table saw on. <laughs> And so I got rid of my table saw recently because it was a great big old cast iron one. Mm -hmm. And I honestly used it four or five times a year. And what happened was I was moving it all the time. You know, mm -hmm. it was always in the way in the shop. So I said, forget it. And now I use the clamp method because I'm not a, I'm not a high end woodworker. You know, I, for me, like ripping, ripping plywood and stuff like that, I can easily do at this point with yeah. a straight edge and, you know, but yeah, I get it. Yeah. 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 Can't, can't I, ask. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say, as for my favorite tool, um, man, I, I, I don't know. Um, probably the table saw. I mean, I have a nice saw stop table saw after I cut my finger. I was like, I'm gonna get a saw stop. And, uh, yep. uh, and so I, I like to use that. And, you know, I went ahead and got the three horsepower uh, professional cabinet saw. And so it, nice. it cuts like butter. And, uh, yeah. Did you ever, have you ever tripped the uh, saw stop yet or luckily not? Nope. nope. Uh, there, there was a couple of points where I thought the material was going to be too wet that, that it would trip. Oh, oh yeah. But my, uh, my, my fingers, uh, uh I bought a bunch of safety stuff and like I bought two, uh, micro jig grippers. Um, I am super duper careful. I still have all 10 digits. And so nice. like, so but right here, um, the saw went right down right there. Uh, oh. Yeah. So fun times. Um, I have a story. Um, but, uh, yeah, that I, I learned my lesson, and that's why I don't use the Unisaw anymore. And uh, Oh, I, they were, yeah. When I worked uh, selling building supplies, about – I did the quick – you know, back of the napkin math one time, but about 25% of our contractors were missing a portion of one digit. And I just yeah. thought, you know, but mm -hmm. John says you need 15 good tape measures so you can always find one. Yeah. Yep. 
for sure. Was it was it you in the collab video we did earlier? Was uh, this year that yeah? Tell, yes. Share about that tape measure because I I still haven't got it, but I freaking love that thing. Yeah, that's the it's the fast cap tape measure. Um, it uh, some of the great features is the clip on the back. So growing up, I remember, and even not necessarily growing up, you know, you, you have the the back clip. Um, mm -hmm. What you know, it's just kind of a pain to put it on your pants or put it on whatever. Well, the fast cap guys are like, you know what? Why don't we add, add a little piece to the top of the clip so you can have leverage, and uh, then you can just leverage it open, put it on whatever. I put it on my apron, and so I just yep. click done, and you never miss almost. Um, it also has a, 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 a pad, Scratch of paper pad. On the side, yeah. yeah, that you can write on it, and because uh, oftentimes I'm on the other side of my property, and I'm like, I need a four foot, you know, six four and a half one. inch yep. board. You know, and by the time you walk all the way back and you get everything set up, you don't remember that. And so you just write it down real fast and then erase it. Um, and then uh, it also has, um, you know, on most tape measures, they have the the numbers on both sides. But like the numbers on one side are there's less of them and there's less tick marks. Um, okay. They they mirror it on both sides so yep. that you can read it upside down and you can read it up that like that, too. And uh, nice. And then uh, it also has a rubber, uh, a rubbery case to it, so you get a better grip on it as well. Uh, so I really like that. And it has a a, um, a textured tape, um, so it's not smooth. Um, so you have better grip on it whenever you're kind of grabbing it. Uh, and then and then it has two locking mechanisms. So do you ever um, you're pulling the tape and you're mm -hmm. like, I don't need to like lock it, but I need to kind of push down on it just enough to get pressure to stop it. Yep. Um, so on this one, they have a button underneath that does that so that you don't mm -hmm. accidentally keep clicking it too far um, with the top button. And, and uh, so you don't click it too far. And then, you know, also kind of wind down, like wear down that, that grab portion uh, so that, uh, so that it wind anyway, so that it just makes it a little worse. And it has a pencil sharpener. Thank you, Mills. Mills. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I think that's a question from Ken, or, or maybe it's a statement. But either way, I'm curious. Does it clean off easy? Like, uh, uh, you know, where you, your, your scratch pad, like uh, where you put oh, your... I, I haven't had a problem with it with a normal eraser on a pencil. It hasn't hasn't been an issue, I've noticed. Because ever since I saw your tape measure like that, so one day I was up to the top of the peak and I was getting ready to measure an angle for my vinyl mm -hmm. siding and... I got up there, realized I'm not going to remember this by the time I get down the 24 mm -hmm. foot ladder in the heat. Thought, hmm, I remember, buddy. Anyway, so I flipped my Fat Max over. I don't use a clip. I put mine in the pocket. I can't stand anything on my belt. So I take my clips off. So on the back of the Fat Max, it's nice and wide and yellow. So I started using that as my little scratch pad. And it, it worked pretty good, you know? Nice. Yeah, no, I, thanks to you. Awesome. Hey, glad I helped somebody. That's that's why I do what I do is I want to help other people um, learn from, from my friends. But I, I use a uh, uh, an apron for most of my work. Um, when I when I was doing the uh, the 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 roof uh, rebuild, I was like, man, like an apron is awkward in this in this build. So I, I really wished I had a belt. And mm. so I kind of looked at belts every now and then. Uh, I'll probably get one before I do the project this summer. Uh, but there's just so like got to research everything. Uh, there's just so many features and you're like, I don't know what I need. You know, that's where I just sometimes I'm like analysis paralysis. I'll buy that one. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and, So 
that's i i was okay i'm not a belt guy as you can just imagine right i don't i hate belts i've never anyway and one day we were in lowe's and my wife's like i said i think i want a tool belt she said no i mean not that she didn't want to get me one but she knew i wouldn't wear it and out of spite i said i might you know and i ended up getting an awp i bought a nylon Mm -hmm. one because i knew leather would be hot and you know i wanted something fabricy Mm-hmm. Well, I want to, t- that's changed my life. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like just, you know, one of them things that just changes your life just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I mean, literally having, I, anytime I ever worked on a project before it was, okay, where'd I set my square? Where's mm-hmm. my pencil? There's my tape measure. Okay. Five steps this way. Well, mm-hmm. ha- I, I know it's simple and I know contractors do it all the time, but for a little old handyman, I never really seen the need. Well, now I do. So yeah, it's, it's worth it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because like I, I have a, uh, um, woodpeckers delve square um okay it's a little pricey but oh it's nice uh so if Mm -hmm. we're doing just woodworking in the shop and i keep that in my apron right here because i'm pulling it out all the time and and when i when i occasionally i'll be marking something and i'll set it to the side and i'll spend the next 10 minutes looking for it because by the time (laughs) i'm ready to look for it it's not that it's not at that spot anymore and so i built the muscle memory as soon as i'm done it goes right back in in that spot and uh, I actually want to modify my uh, uh, my apron to add a couple of other things that I'm frequently grabbing too. And so, yeah. And that that tape measure, just in case anybody's on the uh, audio podcast, that's the fast cap, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I had somebody. I uh, who was that? Dan was asking in the comments there, and I just figured I'd get it out there. And uh, Dan says he has an AWP uh, farmer's rig. It's a really good setup, and I, I like them. They're they're modular a little bit too, like mm-hmm. the. The back piece of the belt is Velcro, so you can take pieces off or slide it around. And it's, nice. I, I really like it. Like it's, yeah. And it wasn't expensive. Like, okay. If it was $50 Canadian, maybe. Okay. I, I don't think, yeah. I, so that's that, like $12 I mean, that, American. No, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, that seems, I mean, that, that's probably, yeah. I, again, if something's worth the value, then I'll, I'll moan and groan about it, but I'll still buy it. Uh, yeah, there. Yeah, there's a, a guy on Instagram that I call that I follow, uh, Zach Builds, and he he does um, construction stuff during the day and furniture work at night, and uh, he he really likes AWP stuff. Yeah, I I came across it just on a whim. I you know it, uh, it was just kind of the same with my Dewalt knee pads I bought. I, mm. and everybody who follows me, they know I like Dewalt, but uh, I didn't want something heavy. I didn't want foam per se, so I went like this kind of nylony thing and. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, I turned 40 this year, so I figured I should probably start wearing knee pads and they're great. I don't know why I've spent my entire life crawling around on my knees without knee pads, but uh, we're just stubborn, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, well, it's, it's why I hate uh, breaking down plywood is crawling around on the ground and finally got a, a track saw. So that should make it go. A oh, lot uh, I got that's a an investment. Yeah. A friend of mine, um, decided to upgrade to Festool for several things. And, uh, and so he sold me his Craig track saw for a good price. So you just, uh, those are two words that, uh, Joseph, uh, Millis construction there. He, yeah, he's a big Festool fan. So gotcha. he always yeah. likes, yeah, yeah. He does a lot. If you ever check out his channel, you want to see some good reviews. He does a lot of that stuff and awesome. Knipics okay. and yeah, like a lot of the more expensive high end, uh, hand tools and things but yeah it's really yeah oh they are nice um i i haven't figured out how to justify it because that's the thing is i like to buy stuff but i have to justify it um Mm -hmm. so it's like i i have wanted a quadcopter to do photography stuff for years 
So I've been able to figure out how to justify it. I understand. I know. I, and and we, we talked about this earlier too. Uh, the, like I, I get into hobbies and then I kind of drop them like a bad mm-hmm. habit sometimes. And I think the biggest thing is to make sure that you're going to stick with something before you invest in it too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> it's hard. Like I got a 3d printer that I played with last winter for like three months and I was mm-hmm. so excited and it's literally collected dust since mm-hmm. last April, you know, and I, yeah, I, I might get back to it, but for now, yeah. you know, I, I like to figure out how can I integrate them, them all? Um, how, how can I, how can I make them all mutually support each other? So like I was, uh, you know, I like photography, um, mm-hmm. but I don't, uh, I, I do have that. Like I like photography for the sake of photography because there's a very technical side to it and it's a lot of mm-hmm. fun. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, I like practical things. I like, I like teaching people. I like instructing people. And, uh, so I'm like, well, I can use that photography knowledge to make good looking tutorials and, you know, do stuff better, you know? And so, so that, you know, I have good quality equipment to do all of that stuff. And so like, that's a way I can integrate it and I can still scratch that itch, you know, and still continue the same thing with the 3d printing is I have a couple of ideas for products. Um, one is actually to fix a tool. Um, and so I want to print something that's out of manufacture and, you know, I'll just throw it up to sell to other people. And, uh, you know, and so, and then there's a few other things that I want to make and sell from the 3d printing perspective. And so, um, one of the ways I like to justify stuff, uh, is, is how can I integrate it to help, um, help me move my craft forward. And so that's cool. I make it part of the system and also uh, make it pull its own weight. Hey, like make right. you a little bit of money or something along the way. Yes. Yep. So we haven't really talked a whole lot about, but you have a podcast, hey? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love the name. The name's pretty good. So yeah, well, it's about to change. So Is it? I, haven't, oh. I haven't told anyone. It's, it's only changing slightly. I haven't told that's okay. anyone. I've hinted at it in my podcast, but it's going to be Buddy Builds. Um, still the same buddy, but builds onto it. I, I I've liked the name buddy. Um, mm-hmm. but when you say buddy, you're like, you have, you don't know that I mean B U D D I Y. And so I, I get constantly it. Constantly have to say B U D D I Y. Is mm-hmm. it me at buddy.net? B U D D I Y.net, you know, blah, 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 blah. Anyway. And so when I was at the survival podcast workshop, you know, I was kind of lamenting that I have this thing and, you know, I'm just stuck with it. And he's like, well, buddy builds. And I'm like, literally the, the four guy, everyone there was just like, yeah, I think that's your new name. <laughs> was it Jack? Did Jack come up with that? No, uh, it, uh, it, was, an, it was another uh, Eric Myers, I think. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. It, it's Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And it was just one of those off the cuff, random things. Like it wasn't even like, he was putting a ton of thought into it. It was just like, you know, there. And I was like, okay. So, uh, so in the, uh, new year, I'm going to convert over to buddy builds, uh, .net. Um, somebody has buddybuilds.com And, uh, and so I'm like, and he won't sell it. I did the little like domain agent, you know, thing where you try to convince a broker to try to convince them to, and I haven't done it. So it's going to be buddybuilds.net, And I have, I have buddy b u d d y builds.net and buddy b u d d i y builds.net. So they they both will redirect to everything properly. And so got to work on branding. Branding is important. And branding's tough, eh? 
Yeah. And, uh, and so I think that's going to solve some problems, uh, for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but the main, like when you see it, when you go to the site will still be the BUD DIY. Um, uh, cause I really like it, but it's just going to have builds on it. And so, uh, but yeah, it's going back, I'm sure to your original, um, of the podcast it's, it's, um, branding again and like focus. Um, I am not an expert at any of this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, up until three years ago, I didn't want to have anything to do with DIY. You could talk to my wife about that. And she's bummed that I wouldn't want to do projects around the house. Literally we would have discussions and, you know, growing up, she's like, she imagined her dad, you know, everyone marries their dad. Uh, you know, and she imagined, you know, her husband would want to do projects around the house. And I didn't, I didn't want to do projects. I wanted to program. I wanted to be on my computer. I wanted to do those things. And, uh, and so uh oh crap lost my train of thought you're just talking about uh not being able to how you um well you're talking about your podcast and oh how, yeah yeah and so since i don't in a sense i don't know what i'm doing and i'm learning as i go my uh my focus is in the podcast and on my channel and and the stuff that i create is the journey um, mm -hmm. I want to document the journey that I go through. That's why I have set up, you know, I have segments in my podcast. What's what happened this week? What did I do? The main segment where, you know, it's either the project that I did, um, breaking it down or some, you know, some tutorial type thing to, to teach other people. And then my failure of the week. I mean, that's, you know, because I, I learned from other people's mistakes. I feel like I have bypassed a lot of problems in my life, life by listening to other people's mistakes and not doing those. And so um, I, I look at that as kind of the journey of learning. And then, uh, you know, as I build more content um, on YouTube, it's going to be the same thing. YouTube and Odyssey is, is the, I want to show that journey of me not knowing what I'm doing and teaching the person that's six months behind me while still learning from the people that are six months plus ahead of me and, and going across that journey. That That's that's what I did with um, my programming site that I, that I was telling you about before we got mm -hmm. on. Um, is, is I did that same thing. Um, I had a little more expertise on that. And so I could, I knew exactly where I wanted to nail in the teaching aspect. Um, but it was still kind of that journey. And, um, but at the end of the day, the thing that I want to do, I make a lot of mistakes and I hmm. do things difficult. I make things difficult in how I learn them. And I want to take those problems and not have other people go through those problems. Uh, I want to consolidate the information. I'm writing a book on raising chickens um, and I write it while I'm doing the initial stages of the chickens. So the only thing that I'm talking about is brooding chickens and, and that stage, because that was the thing I was most concerned about. So I want to write, writing a small little 30, 40 page book. That's only about getting your chickens to pasture. And that's it. Like from getting them to pasture, I'm not going to talk about anything else. And so uh, because that all that information was spread out everywhere and I felt overly uh, yeah. you're not going to fill it with 150 extra pages of fluff like every other author there will be there will be fluff in there obviously I, but, <laughs> but yeah but not seriously yeah uh, I yeah, love that I, that's awesome yeah and so like so that's that's my goal and that's the orientation that I'm going through and I and I've been thinking hitting it around in my head more lately the kind of the format that I want to go through and I want to attempt as long form content. So um, again, that formula I was telling you about to, to before we were talking to get a, a lot of viewers fast, 
Um, you need 10 to 15 minute videos, highly precise and uh, very entertaining. Um, like you can build fast, but what I want is I want to teach. And so I want to do longer content. If I have a 40 minute video, then I have a 40 minute video. You know, mm -hmm. if I have a 10 minute video, then I have a 10 minute video. I mean, some of my podcasts are almost an hour long. Last week's was an hour long, um, but it was talking about something that was important about finance and farms, uh, you know, and so it was an hour long this week. It was talking about me putting a vanity in. So it was 20 minutes, 23 minutes long. And so like, I, I don't care. I want the knowledge to get out. And that's kind of my goal. And so hopefully it pays off. It will. And people... <sighs> I get it. Like you look at so many of the people on YouTube that blew up quick and, or, or even still blown up and they, they're almost a caricature of a personality. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but like you said, like, you know, it needs to be entertaining or hyper entertaining even, and it's okay. But if, you know, again, we talked about this a little before we come on the air, but um, people like to hear our journey. And if we're going to share what we're learning and, our personality type and our beliefs are going to come through in that it may take a little longer to build um, a community around that, but the community you build around it is going to be loyal and is mm -hmm. going to be interested in what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. There, I, I am yeah. not a person. I don't have an amazing personality. There's a, there's a YouTuber, Instagram or bourbon moth. This guy has charisma and personality oozing out of every which direction. And he exploded um, almost overnight. Yeah, I mean, he he was like almost literally the overnight success. Like, but you know, he he capitalized on that personality. Now he, you know, he has a YouTube channel and he built stuff for celebrities, and that's his full, you know, he was a full-time woodworker, you know, and he he takes risks too. But mm -hmm. I I don't, I'm not oozing personality. I am a fairly dry person with a twist. But you know, you, I, I always say like, it, I don't, my ideal audience member is almost me or at least somebody a few months behind my journey. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And, and that's okay because people who are like you are going to be drawn to you or mm -hmm. people who want to know more. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. and there, there is a place for all <laughs> all of us, all the crazies and all the normals, you know, mm -hmm. and you know, the guys with the eccentric personalities and the guys who you'd rather, you know, I don't know, sit in the backyard and have a beer or a, you know, a piece of fried chicken with, right. Like it, right. It, there's, there's room for everybody. And mm -hmm. I don't care what anybody says, as far as YouTube goes, it's the biggest platform in the world. And there's still room for new creators and people to do whatever mm -hmm. they want to do. Yeah, because because as new people onboard and and start like getting up success, the older people, older people, quote unquote, um, they're they're dropping off like they're mm -hmm. they're losing their their effect and their their effectiveness and their reach. And in cases, they're just stopping, you know, and they're like, I, you know, I did what I did. I got where I got and I'm done, you know. Bored. Yeah. Or yeah, they're moving and, on to bigger. They're going to go box instead, you know exactly and so you know or me like i was a software developer have a really great career and now i don't want to do software development anymore i mean there's a lot of reasons in that but i you know i, I want to go in this other i want to teach something but i don't want to be a high school teacher <laughs> i get it. you know like so that's it's kind of the transition and so you know as the other people you know as they drop off and they fade in a sense you know i'm gonna come into that next little bit you know and 
that's okay. And that, and that, there's just, I think that works on that, you know, uh, same thing. Um, so I was one of the pioneers in my, uh, in my particular framework and language, um, doing screencasts. Um, that's what they were called back then. They weren't YouTube videos. Uh, but you know, I, I was kind of one of the, the pioneers that, that stuck with it. I did it for five or six years, six years. And, um, minor celebrity in those in that world let me tell you <laughs> if you ever go to a conference and everyone knows your name it freaks you out the first time you experience it uh because you will have somebody yell at you across the room and you're like what did i do anyway and so um as i dropped off um other people picked it up and moved i, I have a friend that he did it in the rails community uh hmm. programming wise and like um, one guy dropped off and he picked up the mantle and he moved it forward. And that, you know, that opened the door for other people as well. And so like, I, I don't necessarily see it as a problem, you know, like everyone's like market saturation, market saturation. And it's like, I don't think so. Not, yeah. I, I don't want a million subscribers. I mean, Hey, whatever, you know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to turn it down. <laughs> no, but I'm okay with, you know, uh, a niche, a, a niche audience, you know what with I mean? And, true fans. Yeah. So yeah. we've been yammering on here, but speaking to the community, there's a ton of stuff here. I wanted to, uh, do you see this little tip about painter's that's, tape on a measuring tape? That's a great idea. And that would be great for all of my Harbor Freight, uh, tape measures I leave laying around the house. Absolutely. Yeah. I got to, uh, <laughs> I'm going to try it. I think that's awesome. I, I would. Yeah. And then, uh, Ken Thanks. says, uh, check out the, you are, you are the brand podcast, really great stuff on personal yeah. branding. Totally will. Totally will. Because that branding is still something I continue to, to work on learning about because um, it's fascinating. I also like business. I like everything almost. <laughs> I know you uh, do. But I, I like business. I mean, I, I read nonfiction all the time and, uh, and I go through waves and the business is one of those <laughs> things. It's like business models are interesting. You know, I, I was like, I don't understand this accounting stuff. So I went and bought a book on the history of accounting. Um, not the most... Um, humorous subject in the world uh but it gave some interesting insights into where it came from so now i better understand what it is now and so uh and so yeah so so i will definitely check that podcast out yeah me too i i branding yeah I, i'm i just laugh when you talk because i there's so much that you do just is so much just like me <laughs> but this this summer i listened to the four hour work week and rich dad poor dad mm. and i just worked mm. my way through all that and i was in that mindset for a solid maybe two months there was a book called yeah. the perfect week and i i just i just digested everything i could and then okay i've got it and now yeah. it's all kind of bouncing around back there mm -hmm. and then it's time to go mm -hmm. on to the next thing you know and, and you're sick of it you're sick of of, of business books for the next six months all yeah. right I, i've been on a um um uh christian history kick for the last uh six weeks and cool every book I can get a hold of, like I, I just listen to it and read it. And I, and I can tell I'm at that point when I get done with the the next book that I'm, I'm done for a while. And in a year I'll pick it up again, you know, cause, cause I'll hear something and it'll be like, Oh yeah. You know? And uh, so, yeah, I totally get it. I do that with fiction. I go fiction for a while mm -hmm. and then, and then I'm like, Ooh, I got to get back in the nonfiction, you know, and it, yeah, it goes back and forth. Oh, yeah. But uh, Joseph said, I think all of us YouTubers try hard to do that. Having friends uh, do the same thing can really help get you encouraged. And that yeah. goes back a little ways, but it's just talking about, you know, being successful and branding and, and mm -hmm. sharing, you know, but, um, and then Joseph also said, uh, think media said your vibe attracts your tribe. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, 
That's true. I like that That's a true. lot. Yeah. Because like I said, your your ideal audience member, your ideal community member is basically who you are. You know, if huh? if you look at my YouTube analytics, <laughs> you know, um, the people are North American males. 35 to 55 you know and that yeah. what am i a north american male 35 to 55 right mm -hmm. well so it, to be fair most of youtube is a north american male 35 well that is true yes <laughs> <laughs> but i hope that they you know i hope they're attracted to my you know that oh. i think that's how it goes right we have to we get out there and we're like okay this is this is who i am and mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you found this as well but for me it's taken a while to really to really be who I am, you know, like to, to come out of, you start out kind of reserved and, you know, mm -hmm. and that isn't, that isn't really who I am. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? If you know me in regular life, but then as you get more and more comfortable, things get a little mm -hmm. more comfortable and you hit your stride eventually, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 I, I'm kind of the same way. I have learned to, this isn't like, this isn't the best way to put it, but I, but I've, I, I learned to put on the act um, long enough to get my, to, to pull myself out of the shell in a sense. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, yeah. so like when I, so when I would go to a conference or when I go to the TSP workshops, like I have to act like who I am for probably half an hour until, until I'm finally comfortable with myself being in that situation. And then, and then, you know, my full personality comes out in a sense. Uh, but you're so, not being, it's not fake. You're, you're just, you have to find yourself. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's, I have yeah. to force it for a little bit because because the the natural side of me is can I just go sit in my truck for the next couple of days? So you know, even though I know, like so, like pushing myself to go talk to the people that I know, you know, mm -hmm. you know, or pushing myself to 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 jump in on the project and start working on it, even though like I would rather like I don't want to you know rock any boats in a sense, you know, like I have to put. And it's like everything. Once you get started, it's a lot easier. And so I push myself to get started. And uh, so, yeah, I, I get it. Like it, it, human nature is almost to, to stay in one spot, you know, mm -hmm. but once you get, once you overcome inertia, is that the right anyway, you know, and then you get going uh, it's very easy to continue mm -hmm. that progress, but it's that, like you said it. And even though I'm, you know, a little more extrovert. I, I am a bit of an introvert too. And there's, like you said, there's times when, you know, it it's people, you know, people you love, people you like to spend time with, mm -hmm. but there's still that part in the back of your brain. That's like, yeah, I'm good. You know, I'm good. Oh, on this state. Yeah. 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 I mean, even, even when I'm around people that I know, it's like, sometimes I need like five minutes in the bathroom to just decompress for a moment and mm -hmm. re recharge my brain and then get back out there and, and, and go at it again. Uh, I am just naturally an introvert and uh, um, it's funny because at church, at church I gave up and, and gave, uh, we gave a testimony um, uh, and um, my wife, and, you know, I told my wife I would do it and like, you know, did this eloquent speech and, and my, my pastor's wife came up to me and was like, I didn't know he could speak so good. And he's like, that's my husband. That's who I talk to every day. But he just doesn't talk when he's mm -hmm. you know, uh, around, you know, a lot of other people, you know, and it's like, you know, my wife's like, why don't you talk to him? And I'm like, because I, you know, I, I like to talk about the things I like to talk about and I don't like to talk about things I don't like to talk about. And so I don't talk about it, you know, and, so 
anyway that's all right i we've set a record this is 90 minutes i think it's my longest interview yet which is an awesome sign you know what i mean but (laughs) but we've kept people but maybe we should i'm gonna try to wrap her up a little bit here so tell me i I mean we could talk all night and we'll i'll have to have you on again because this was great Uh, i'm enjoying it you're a kindred soul so i appreciate that but so where, where can we find you what are you up to you know the whole shebang yeah, so uh, you could find me at buddy.net, B-U-D-D-I-Y.net. See how, see that branding thing there? Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, you can find me there. That's the main website from there. I link out everywhere, but I'm on YouTube. I'm on Odyssey, um, everything under Buddy. Um, and then uh, I, I am on Instagram. Um, I've been on there longer trying to figure myself out there. So it's Buddy Lindsay Jr. on there. Um, yep. And so the, those are the main posts. And Float is Buddy. And uh, MeWe, I think, is Buddy Lindsay. Um, I don't remember. I I am terrible right now at social media because of this project and because I've been trying to, while I worked on this project, since I've only focused only on the podcast and not any of the other stuff that I want to do, um, I had a lot, I have had extra time to just kind of like think about direction. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I've not done a lot of social media. So I will jump onto that more in the new year with a new uh, a new strategy and a new uh, focus. And so uh, those are the places to kind of go away. But for now, um, I post to YouTube. I, I, re- I record videos on my podcast so that I can post those on YouTube. It syncs to uh, Odyssey. And mm-hmm. I put the audio version in, a, in Libsyn for podcast syndication and put the link on the website so that it's cross post everywhere. Uh, so that it's easily accessible. And so uh, that's the best way, buddiy.net. And from there, you can find me everywhere else. Perfect. Well, and anything else you wanted to share before we call her a night, buddy? I always call you buddy. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, just uh, if, hope, hope to, to see you all around. And hope, hopefully there was something in here you all learned. That's To me, that's what's important is to help other people learn stuff. And that's that's why I do what I do. That was awesome. Thank you very much. And if you want to hang around for just a second, I'll close up and we can chat right quick before I uh, go off. If you got just a minute. Sure. Sounds good. Okay. Perfect. Thanks. We'll see you in just a minute. All right, guys. Well, that was incredible. It's definitely a new record for, <laughs> for length of a podcast. Uh, yeah. I, I want to say sorry for going so long, but I'm not going to because it was just too damn of a good interview. So anyway, you guys check out BUDDIY.net. He's got some awesome content. And uh, yeah, let's close her up there, guys. I appreciate you guys. I know you can spend your time anywhere and you choose to come hang out in the workshop with me. So thank you. And as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.